When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite team. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6.30 Chad. Pleasure to have you tuning in this evening. CFL tonight. It is halftime. It is Hamilton at home leading Montreal 10-6. Blue Jays up 4-2 on the Tigers. Detroit batting in the top of the seventh. Riverhawks just about to get underway against Kamloops at at, uh, Remax. And uh, Steve Hogle, the GM of the Riverhawks, was on a little while ago setting up the shark shower. It's thirsty Thursdays at the ballpark. Final Three home games of the regular season coming up Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for the Riverhawks. And uh, the Edmonton Stingers lost last night 191 to the Ottawa Blackjacks. They got the Blackjacks. They got the Red Blacks. Senators got to change their name. I don't know. The Carjacks, something like that. Uh, And uh, anyway, the Stingers are in the playoffs. Not sure where they're going to finish yet. Not sure if they're going to get a home game. But uh, 10 and 9 now on the season. They got a road game to close out the regular season this weekend. Reed Wilkins with you. Derek Scott back at the 630 Chet Broadcasting Compound is your uh, studio producer this evening. Derek, you're doing a great job. How are you doing? Thanks, brother. No, I'm doing good. Good. Uh, Certain Fury. Hopefully everybody's added that to their watch list. (laughs) The trailer is on YouTube. Oh, you found the trailer. The trailer's there. Lots of 80s hair and 80s clothes. Let's see. Uh, let's see. maybe after we do Derek Laxtall, he's going to join us here in a couple of minutes. Uh, make sure the trailer or find like a cool part of the trailer. I yeah. Don't know, like I, I know part of it maybe will just be music won't make sense on radio. But if you could find like a good 20 to 30 seconds to play. Yeah, we'll find awesome. something. Yeah, that's that's life changing right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, the, well, again, Joaquin Gage in that film. Didn't didn't speak overly highly of it, but a pretty cool story about how we got to be uh, got to be in that movie. Edmonton Elks are their bye week. Well, I guess it's ending because they're going to practice tomorrow. They will take Saturday off, practice on Sunday. Their next game Saturday, August sixth. So that's what in nine days at the BC Lions, six thirty for the countdown to kick off, and then the game at eight here on six thirty. Chad, the Elks started the season at BC. They got pounded, so uh, hopefully a much better result this time around. Again. I still think the Elks are going to make it interesting. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs. I, I just think they're going to make it interesting. We'll we we'll, might be talking in a couple months and saying, well, if this and if that, maybe, maybe they'll be able to squeak in. But clearly, you know, some things to work on. But there have been some positive signs here along the way. Always a pleasure to talk to this gentleman. He was once the head coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings. He was recently, uh, I guess, not renewed by the Dallas Stars as an assistant coach. We welcome back to Inside Sports, Derek Laxtall. Derek, how are you doing? Not too bad, Reed. How are you today? 
Well, I am doing very well, and uh, it's it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I mean, you and I have been doing this for about a, a decade now in your uh, in your various roles in the hockey world. We first met when you were coaching the Oil Kings. Um, Derek, not to give you a hard time or anything, but I think this is the first time I interview you and you don't have a specific job title. Uh, so I guess we're going to have to talk about that. Uh, tell us about how things kind of came to an end with the Dallas Stars. Well, Reed, I, I, right now I, I'm uh, what you call a free agent. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking for a job right now. But um, at the end of the season in Dallas there, obviously we had a pretty good finish. We got our team into the playoffs with 98 points. And uh, we know we weren't a high-scoring machine. And we ended up losing game seven to, call, or to Calgary there, which I thought was a heck of a series. We, we gave them everything we could. But uh, from what I understand and, and the information I was told, you know, the owner, the owner thought we were something um, different than what we really were. And obviously, he's the gentleman that pays the bills and he can make the decision. So at the end of the day, uh, he wanted to go forward with a new staff. And uh, basically, that's what happened. Okay. So, like, when you get that news, is it a bit of a shock? Or, may, or maybe you thought it was uh, coming? I mean, what's that moment like? Well, to be honest with you, Reed, I, I was a little bit uh, disappointed. Uh, obviously, I was with the organization for eight years, uh, like four or five years in Texas, and came up through an extremely tough time uh, just before the pandemic hit. And then we came back to the bubble. We got to the Stanley Cup finals. And then the other side of it is, you know, we got to the playoffs two to three years. Uh, we had pretty, we had a pretty good situation. I ran the power play, and our power play, all three years I was in Dallas running the power play, the power play was at least top 10 or top 11 in all three years. And anytime you, uh, you're in that situation, you know, you're, t- you're going to score some goals. And we had to live and die by our power play all three years. So I thought I'd get a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, maybe survive a little bit longer. But um, Jim Nill couldn't fire me quick enough after they, they let go of Rick and John Stevens and then uh, Todd Nelson right after me. So uh, it was tough. I- I've never been fired. I've never been let go. I've never been renewed in 20 years of coaching. So, Reed, it's, it's been a really tough uh, tough pill to swallow because uh, you know me, and, and I think like any other coach, the work that you put in as a coach, uh, when you don't have a job, it's just uh, really hard to, uh, to go through that situation when you haven't gone through it before. So when you're a free agent coach, I, I, like, I don't know if you have uh, an agent, if you're just making phone calls, do you actually have to work on a written resume or put some video together? Like, I, I'm just curious because I, I know you're grinding trying to, you know, find something for the future here. Yeah, I am. You know, I, I do have an agent. Uh, my agent said to me the other day, he goes, he goes, uh, Lax, he goes, you're the hardest working guy I've ever seen uh, make calls and turn over stones trying to find an opportunity to coach in the NHL, the American Hockey League. Um, and he goes, you know, he goes, you, you need to get a job because just of the work you put in. I said, thank you. I do appreciate that. But I do have an agent. I have made calls all summer. Um, if, if I had a dollar for every time I heard, uh, Loxie, you're, you're a great coach. You're overqualified for the job. Or we're going in a different direction. I'd have enough money to survive for the summer. But, you know, um, you know at, the end of the, at the end of the day, it's tough. You know, you, you obviously, you're, you're a coach. You're very proud. But, uh, you know, I'll move forward and uh, keep on plugging until I find something. Yeah. Okay. Well, we wish you the best uh, with that for sure. And, and you're right. No, I mean, you, you've, you've, you've been successful every staff you've been on in whatever role. So, yeah, I hope so. I think somebody's going to snap you up here eventually. You, you mentioned that series against the Calgary Flames. I watched it quite closely because the, the winner was going to play 
the the Oilers Kings winner, which obviously turned out to be the Oilers. There was a lot said about your goaltender in that series. Um, but I assuming there are some intricacies and details that you maybe feel uh, not to take anything away from your goalie, but some thing, other things you did that, like you said, took it all the way to game seven overtime. Well, the one thing we did is we, we knew what Calgary was. Like they were, they were well coached. They were tenacious. Uh, they had a great, you know, top six forwards. They could score like Johnny Gaudreau and Kachuk and Lindholm were obviously all world. But they, they played a, a real solid team game, uh, pressure game, aggressive game in your face. And we knew we had to get through that. Now, obviously, we rode a hot goaltender through the series, and he got us all the way to game seven. You know, if you look at probably the last 10 minutes of the third period overtime, we outplayed Calgary. And I think we did a really good job of frustrating Calgary, of just kind of hanging around. And that's what it takes in the playoffs. If you've got a stubborn team that won't go away, and obviously riding a hot goaltender, um, and that's what we did. We did that to, to uh, Calgary, but, you know, Calgary found a way. And then it's funny, you know, they, they uh, end up getting into Edmonton. They beat Edmonton the first game, 9-6, and you thought, okay, this is going to end in five. And then Edmonton, uh, you know, they kind of go the – they end up beating them in five or six games. So, But the Calgary series was it was a hard-fought series. It was an emotional series. You saw Klingberg and Kachuk getting into it. But the one thing I really thought that hurt us going from game six to game seven, and you saw it in game seven, our guys were intimidated at the end of game six. I think Lucic took a run at Essa Lindell. And you could see in game seven, it took a few of our guys to really get into the game uh, mentally and emotionally before they can get through that game six. And then we lost Rupi Henson warm-up. Um, he ended up getting a, a, a shot in the side abdomen and it leaked down into his leg and he couldn't skate. So we lost a huge piece in game seven with uh, Rupi Hintz. The I mean I'm glad you brought up the the stuff with Klingberg and and Kachuk. Um, as a coach, you want to see that, and whether it's that circumstance or not, though, have you ever worried about a player getting distracted by a rival on the other team? Like, is is there a point he's got to just back away? I I, I think there's a point. It depending it depends on the player if he can control his emotions. I really like what John Klingberg did. Uh, the one game there, he took the bull by the horn, and he went it right after Kachuk and said, hey, you know, I'm not going to take this anymore, and uh, he ended up getting in a fight with him. I, I thought that was excellent leadership from Johnny. I thought he did a great job, and Johnny doesn't get too distracted emotionally, so we knew he was in a good place, but we knew we could probably get Kachuk off his game a little bit because he uh, he loves to get almost, he gets caught up in that, and we really had to focus on playing whistle to whistle. Um, we don't like, We don't have a lot of guys that are going to stir it up, but uh, if we could control, if we could kind of get under their skin a little bit and force them to take some bad penalties, which they did, we just had to make sure that we had good momentum or we scored on the power play. Yeah. Okay. Derek Laxtall joining us tonight on Inside Sports. So getting eliminated and then everything else that happened. Like, did you keep watching the playoffs? Did you watch Oilers and Flames? Did you did you find a point where you got back into it? Um. You know what? It everything happened so quick with our with our situation. We went back to Dallas. They had player meetings, and within the next three or four days, the coaching staff would let go. So um, I watched a little bit of hockey, Read I followed a little bit, you know, following the headlines the next day, but I didn't watch a lot of hockey because I wasn't really in the mood to watch it, and it's too busy packing up my townhouse. But um, I, I did watch a little bit of, of the uh, – the, uh, read some articles and watched the highlights, and I think that uh, from what I saw, uh, Connor McDavid took it to another level, and you saw uh, Leon Dreisaitl take his game to another level, like, what he did in the playoffs this year, he's only going to grow as a player next year to battle through an injury and continue to produce with that injury. Yeah. 
Yeah, they were they were phenomenal for sure. And then obviously Colorado takes the cup. And I think Derek, this is this is fun for me to bring this up because I feel like this is an ongoing theme. Because you and I uh, were talking about Klingberg, I'm pretty sure it was Klingberg when you were coaching him with Texas, right? And yeah, and and you had Haskinen with Dallas, so great defenseman. And then McCarr to me is, I mean, I, I was talking on my show here about a month ago, and I said if we just talk about unique players, like not obviously there were a lot of great players, but in terms of just unique players, to me it might be McDavid and McCarr. Are, are like the most unique players in the league. Like, do you understand what I'm getting at there? Like, just the way they do it and the the, the speed and tempo they can play with. Well, I think the, the, you hit the nail right on the head. Not only the speed and the tempo, but the confidence. Like, there's really no inconsistency in what they do. It's just they do this at a high speed, and they do it at high execution. There's no room for error. Um, if you watch Kale McCarr play, like Kale McCarr was drafted after Miro Haskinen. Miro Haskinen had four goals this year. McCarr had 28. That's right. a huge difference. And uh, obviously, he underperformed this year a little bit. Um, but you watch Kale McCarr. Like, he, he's going to win the Norris Trophy uh, a, a ton of times there. But what he does offensively, how he accelerates with the puck and the split decision he can make at high speed is exactly the same thing as McDavid, but as a defenseman. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, he's just such a game changer. because he and, and, and the thing is... I, I know I'm getting you to talk about a player you coached against, but a lot of offensive defensemen, you, you might gr- give their defensive game a C minus or worse. Like McCarr can defend though. Right. And if he's out of position, he's not out of position because he skates so fast. Right. Well, you watch Kale McCarr get back up the ice. Like same with Merrill Heskin. And when he, when he's leading the rush or joining the rush and there's a turnover, those guys are usually the first guys back in the diesel because they skate so well. And you know what? They defend well, like they defend, they're such cerebral players that they can defend. They don't have to kill a guy. They can defend with space, time and space taken away. They can defend with their stick. They can defend with positioning. They don't have to kill guys. And that's the that's how the elite defensemen do it. You watch Kale McCarr defend. You know, he's putting himself in a position to go offense real quick. And that's why Colorado plays so fast. We, like the, of the teams we played this year, we had, did not play a team as fast as Colorado. The way they move the puck, the way they get the puck up to the forwards, and all of their forwards can skate, and the way they're deactivated. Edmonton's, Edmonton's almost there, but they're not there to that same level that Colorado's at. Yeah. Uh, well, I, th- I, I yeah, I mean, not to rehash that whole series for Oilers fans, but the, the, the top nine for the Avs was quicker than the Oilers' top nine, right? And I thought that was a big turning point in the series as well. Okay, Derek, just a couple more for you. And, and uh, you always, uh, you have such fond memories of being with the Oil Kings and living in Edmonton. Um, you know, I remember how emotional you were talking about Edmonton when, when you left the Oil Kings to go take the Texas Stars job. Um, just to see the Oil Kings have, well, I mean, really they had three great seasons in a row, but they finally got to have a playoffs just for you to, to see them, you know, that organization win the WHL title again. And obviously you were the coach the last time it happened. Well, I, I follow the uh, I follow junior hockey pretty close still. I still have a lot of ties, and I know a lot of guys coaching and GM roles. But uh, you know, I talked to Rogie quite often there, and, and uh, we saw them. We were in Edmonton, and uh, we ended up talking to the coaching staff a little bit. But I understand they had a they had a heck of a hockey club, probably the favorite to win the Memorial Cup. And uh, obviously, they kind of cruised through the playoffs in the Western League. But uh, I'm not sure what happened in the Memorial Cup. But the Memorial Cup is a beast, and we you know, we've talked about it before. When we went in 2012, then we won it in 2014. We're kind of two different teams. But when you take a team there for the first time, boy, it, it's an eye-opener. And uh, 
you know, you look at you look at the last ten years, three teams that are hosting that have lost out in the first round have ended up winning the Memorial Cup. And I know I talked to uh, I think Kurt Hill there is talking about. He said they got pretty beat up in the Seattle series, but at the end of the day, you know what? It's, it doesn't matter if you get beat up in the first series or this last series. You still have to raise your level to the Memorial Cup, even if you're healthy, because it's such a beast. But it was great to see that you know that the tradition is is uh, alive and well with the Oil Kings. They've got I, I'm not sure what kind of team they got this year moving forward, but the last three years have been pretty exciting for the fans, and it just shows you how quick you can turn around and, and rebuild after the uh, we won the Memorial Cup in 2014. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, Derek, uh, th- this has been pretty much been a summer tradition for us for you to hop on the show. So we appreciate you doing it. And uh, I-, I wish you I wish you all the best, uh, not just professionally, but obviously with you and your family as well. Really appreciate your time. All right, Reed. Appreciate all the uh, time today and uh, obviously looking forward to for our next talk. Right on. That is Derek Laxtall checking in. Very honest about how it came to an end with the Dallas Stars and now his uh, search to get back behind a bench here over the summer for the next NHL season. Really good to catch up with Derek. Uh, always a very good interview. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. It's 722. We're going to tee up the uh, big 3x3 event in Ice District Plaza. Paul Sir will join me after the 730 News. And Derek Scott has found the trailer for the Joaquin Gage film, Certain Fury. And we'll give you some, a little bit of an audio snippet from that when we get back. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. Okay. So uh, we're having a fun night. Here's what I can tell you in football. First of all, Hamilton leading Montreal 17-6 about six minutes into the third quarter there. And we had Joaquin Gage on the show and Derek Scott working hard back at the 630 Shed Broadcasting Compound has uh, looked on YouTube the trailer for Certain Fury featuring Tatum O'Neill and Peter Fonda and other great actors and an appearance by a young Joaquin Gage is on uh, YouTube. I've tweeted out a link to it. It's worth watching the whole thing, but here's how some of it sounds. They never met before today. Nobody moves! And they don't belong together now. They're about to be tried in a crossfire. Convicted by circumstance. And framed for a crime they didn't commit. Okay. They're caught up in... Exciting. That's exciting. That sounds exciting, Derek. Right? Did, did you hear all the gunfire? Oh, you gotta, you gotta follow you on Twitter so you can get that link and watch it right now. That is, uh, I, I, I've, I, I've always wondered if I could be a voice guy for trailers. You Give it a shot. That you gotta have that certain. Uh, they're on trial for a crime they didn't commit, <laughs> and now. Yeah, that's I know that's not exactly. You have to have that, or for, or if you do a comedy, it has to sort of. You have to have that little bit of joviality in your voice. Yeah. This summer, Rodney Dangerfield <laughs> is going back to school. I don't know, something like that. You'll get there. Yeah, I, I can. I, I'm a work in progress. <laughs> yeah. But uh, who knows? I may need some voiceover work depending on how things <laughs> keep going here. Interesting. Says total side note here. Uh, a fellow I went to university with and took drama classes with, his name's Trevor Duvall. 
he I know I've not seen Trevor for for years but he incredibly uh, talented he did writing directing acting all that kind of stuff he is um, I think in the voice acting community very well known and very successful he does the uh, I believe he does Rocket Raccoon on the Guardians of the Galaxy animated series cool and he does Emperor Palpatine on the Star Wars Lego animated series and he does a whole bunch of uh, other voices I mean he was uh, I think he might have moved to, to Texas but he's lived in Hollywood for a long time uh, very talented man so you, you can make a career as a voiceover actor kids but I, I would suggest starting early don't try to get into it at the age of 48 like I am coming up after the break Paul Sir from Basketball Alberta 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.